So before we jump into God's Word, let me uh, pray for us, and uh, then let's see what God has for us. Father in heaven, I I just pray in Jesus' name that you would open our hearts to some stuff that you want to say to us tonight. And I pray that we would be willing to listen, not only just to agree or disagree with what we're hearing, but we would be willing we would be willing for you to work in our lives tonight, Father, to do some serious work in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a little younger than most of you guys over there, I, I read a book that, outside of the Bible, has changed my life more than any other book. And that book is uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Any of you ever read that? A few of you, yeah. Uh, for all of you, I would recommend sometime you get a modern language version of it. It's In a way, reading the original is like reading the King James Bible because the guy lived back in 1600s or something. Uh, I don't know if you know, but he wrote the book while he was in prison. And uh, because he was a Christian, that's why he was in prison. Um, and that book taught me one thing, and this is what I want you to catch out of this. I think a lot of us tend to view life as a series of cycles. Uh, Tomorrow's another Thursday. I'm starting another year at school. Uh, another week to get through it. And so we, we tend to view life as cyclical in nature. But what John Bunyan presents in Pilgrim's Progress is life is not a bunch of cycles, but it's a journey. It's a journey. And let me tell you how this can change your perspective. Tomorrow is Thursday, what, April 25th? Is that what it is? August 25th, yes. I'm a little behind the times. Tomorrow, tomorrow is August 25th. And you know what? Tomorrow is the only August 25th, 2016 I'm ever going to get. I will walk through that day, and when it's done, all of the opportunities of that day are gone. I will never have another opportunity to live tomorrow. And when you begin to view life in these terms as, as a journey and not a cycle, what it begins to do is to give you a sense of, wow, tomorrow is really important. Tomorrow is something that God has given me that he's not going to give me again. Once tomorrow's gone, all of the opportunities are gone. Some of you tonight are stuck. And you don't know you're stuck. You've actually become accustomed to living with a tiny dose of the power and joy and transformation of God. And you've gotten used to that level and you've sort of come to accept that as the norm And it's like you have dammed up your life so that the flow of the Holy Spirit that God wants to come flooding out of you may be there, but it's just a trickle. And tonight we're going to look at 1 Peter, actually chapter 2, 1 through 3. Before we do that, we're going to look at chapter 1. And and the whole idea of tonight is how do you blow up the dam in your heart that is holding you back from experiencing the fullness, the joy, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God. Um, let's see. Oh, I didn't turn it on, did I? 
we are. There we are. Before you look at 1 Peter 2, I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 because this gives us a background to what Peter is going to say in chapter 2. And he says, Since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. So Peter, Peter is saying, hey, you guys, the whole reason that we have been shown the love of God is so that we can love. Does that make sense? So, so Peter is saying the defining characteristic of our lives needs to be a genuine, authentic, passionate, practical love for each other. Uh, Peter goes on to say this. He says, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living, enduring word of God. Now, Peter's getting somewhere with this. You guys, we have been born again. We have been made new. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that if you are in Christ, you are a, what is that next word or a couple of words? New creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How did that happen? It came through the living and enduring word of God. He's going to talk about this now. He goes on and he quotes the Old Testament. He says, for all flesh is like grass. And all its glory, like the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Peter is saying, everything in this world is withering and dying. And by the way, do you see that? For example, do you see our country? Uh, it doesn't feel as good as it used to, to me. I guess all old people say that. Ah, do I not like the good old days, you know, but... Uh, it really does feel like that way, that, that once there was something wonderful, and now it just feels like things are getting weirder and weirder every day in our country. And so on the world side of things, you have things that are kind of withering and falling away. But Peter says, the word of the Lord endures forever. So what has been birthed into your life is something that not only endures forever, but gets stronger as your life goes on. So now, Peter comes to 1 Peter 2. And let me just read this for you, and then I'm going to share with you two messages that come out of this. He says, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it, so that by it you may grow with respect to salvation if you've t tasted the kindness of the Lord. First message of 1 Peter 2 is this. Before I approached God's word, I need to take inventory of my life. I need to put aside or lay aside the things that are keeping me from loving others and pursuing Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain why this is so important. Christians are addicted to Bible studies, aren't we? I mean, we, I, I can't believe it. Uh, every day somebody comes up to me, oh, I heard this great podcast, you know. And so maybe it's Piper or John MacArthur or Jack Hayford or some great, I heard this awesome podcast. And so they're always listening to podcasts or they're listening to Christian radio or they're reading a new Christian book. And we're, we're addicted to that stuff. 
And yet, in an age where there is more Christian media than ever in the history of mankind, would you come to the conclusion that Christians are closer to God than they were before? My conclusion is no. I think people are hearing more stuff about God and they're applying less than they ever have in their lives. They're just, it's not, it's not changing them. It's not doing that. And why isn't it? Well, Peter says that there is a connection between sin that you hold on to and your ability to experience the cleansing, empowering work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God in your life. So, what are the sins that keep us from joy? Uh, Peter lists five. The first one is malice. Malice is a feeling of hostility towards somebody. Now, now think about this for a minute. There may be somebody in your life, maybe even 10 or 15 years ago, maybe months ago, you, don't, you hardly even remember what the argument is about, but all you know is you had this feeling that every time you see that person, every time that person's name comes up, you just go, oh, I can't stand that guy. That's malice. Malice will be a dam that keeps the work of God from flowing in your life. It will, it will cause your spiritual life to wither and die. Deceit. Intentional dishonesty. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, great. Well, the fact of the matter is, I've had a terrible week. Been horrible. Connie and I were in Denver. First, we had found out we had to check our bags, and we didn't want to. It took 30 minutes for the bags to come, so that's going bad. We're in a hotel. The hotel catches on fire in the middle of the night. And so it was no biggie. I mean, it was just a little electrical fire. We're sleeping, 1.30 in the morning. Boo, boo, you know, we just... And have you ever been awakened like that? You know that shot of adrenaline that comes... You know, you're just like this. And, you know, we got out. They called the fire department. They had to blow out all the smoke, and they put out the little fire. It wasn't a big fire. And, you know, you come back now. It's 2.30 in the morning, and you're just sitting there. Your eyes are just wide awake. Conference I went to was fairly boring. Um, and, and then um, I'm trying to get this visa for Nigeria and everything's going wrong. Can't get it. You know, poor me. You know, terrible week. But if, if somebody were to come up to me, hey, how are you doing? Great. See, we've learned to lie to each other, haven't we? We don't share with each other. Something came up at that conference uh, that broke my heart. There's, there's a pastor who, even though he's never touched a drop of alcohol in his life, goes every week to AA. You know why he goes there? He says it's the only place he can be honest. I got to tell you guys, something's wrong with the body of Christ if that's the reality of our lives. Deceit. Guys, what I need you to realize is deceit is like a darkness between you and other people that prevents you from ever experiencing the joy of unity and intimacy and love. 
Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is related to deceit. It's just, it's just kind of pretending. It, it's when we, we're coming in and we're not really excited about church, but hey, the music starts. Okay, I'll raise my hands because everybody else is raising their hands. Okay, I'll praise God because everybody else is praising God. In Isaiah chapter 29, if you're taking notes, just write down Isaiah 29, 13, and 14. God says, you know what? You guys, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And your worship is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. And God says, because of this, I am going to rob you of the wisdom to guide your lives. Hypocrisy ticks God off. He doesn't like it. Envy. Envy is the anger towards others because they have something that you want. And again, there may be uh, somebody who has a job that you want. There may be somebody who has a friend that you want to have. There may be somebody who has a talent that you want. And, and you just can't stand them because they have what you want. Slander is speaking evil of others. So what do we do with this? Well, and before we get on, let, let me just encourage you to write down these questions, you guys. Um, these are kind of good inventory questions. Are there, are there people in your life, and you're, when you think of them, you feel malice. You feel that, that hostility, that anger towards them. Or you feel envy towards them. Are there people in your life that you lie to? Are there people in your life around whom you, you find yourself wanting to pretend you don't, you're, on, you're not able to be real with them? Are there people in your life who you slandered? So what does Peter say? He says, we're to put these things aside. This sounds really easy, doesn't it? Oh, just put them aside. Well, if they were easy to put them aside, maybe we would have already done that. But the call of God is to turn from your sin because the sin is destroying your joy and keeping you from experiencing the transforming power of God's word. What you guys need to realize is those sins, malice, turn away from it. Why? Oh, because it's not nice to have malice. No, turn away from it because it's like a cancer in your soul that's eating you alive from the inside out. So how do we do this? There are three steps I want to share with you. Step number one is awareness. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. If you've hung around when I've taught, you've heard this many, many times. David preaches, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And then David says, lead me in the paths of everlasting life. Can I make a suggestion that at least once a month, your entire time with God needs to be devoted to this verse. God, I need you to show me what's going on in my life. Because part of the thing of a hypocrisy, one of the things that hypocrites do, they lie to God, they lie to themselves, and they lie to each other. And we need that prayer of Psalm 139 so that we can become aware of the things that are holding us back from experiencing the joy of Jesus. The second one is confession. Psalm 51. Confession acknowledges that your sins against others are really against God. 
Now, let me tell you why this is important. Let's say there's somebody that you have malice towards. I hate that guy. I can't stand that girl. She drives me crazy. When you, when you put it on a horizontal level, you know what you can do is you can sort of blame the other person for the problem that you're having. Have you ever heard the phrase, oh, she pushes my buttons? You know what that means? It means they know exactly how to make me mad. Man, they tick me off. Now, whose fault is that? Well, of course it's theirs. Because they're pushing your buttons. Or she makes me so mad. I don't know how she did that, but she just, she programmed me and now I'm mad and there's nothing I can do. See, when you think on a horizontal level, when you... When you think of sin on a horizontal level, you can always blame somebody else. Now, here's the key from David in Psalm 51. You know what he was confessing, by the way? Just a minor sin of sleeping with Bathsheba and killing her husband. Okay, no biggie. All right. Now, David's sin was horrible. Of course, it was Bathsheba's fault for taking a bath on the roof, you know. I mean, David could say, well, if she wouldn't have done that, God, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have slept with her. And if I wouldn't have slept with her, I never would have killed her husband. So, God, this is really all Bathsheba's fault. But he doesn't do that. In Psalm 51, David says, against you and you only have I sinned. So David puts the sin that he committed against Bathsheba and Uriah, he puts it as sin against God. Now at this point, there's only one person whose fault it is, right? It's David's. Confession accepts complete responsibility for the sin. And... um, And what it does is it acknowledges, God, you gave me the grace I needed not to sin, but I chose to sin anyway. And confession is something that begins to crack that dam that will allow the Spirit of God to flow once again in all His power. One of the results of confession is what the Bible calls godly sorrow. And this leads us to repentance. Now, I want to read 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. Paul says, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful for the, to the point of repentance. Now, Paul wrote a stinging letter, 1 Corinthians, to the Corinthian church. And to their credit, the Corinthians responded by really being bummed out. But, and Paul says, look, I'm not happy that you were sorrowful. But what I am happy about is that you were sorrowful for to the point of repentance. Now, he goes on to say this. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God so that you might not suffer loss in anything. Have you guys ever heard people say, well, God wants me happy? 
I've heard that used to say, this is why I'm getting a divorce. God wants me happy. Uh, This is why I'm committing adultery. God wants me happy. Uh, This is why I'm having sex outside of marriage. God wants me happy. I cannot believe how many people try to pull that one on me when I was pastoring. It was amazing. They just... It, it was their excuse for everything. And here's what I want you to understand. There are times when God wants you sad. There are times when God wants you weeping. There are times when God wants your heart broken with sorrow because that is the way that you're going to come to the point where you're willing to change. Now, here's what Peter, or Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9. Listen really carefully. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. So godly sorrow, you look at your sin and you go, oh man, I'm so stupid. Bummed that I did that, God. I'm so bummed that I wounded that other person or that I sinned against you. God, I get it now. And it leads to repentance, a changing of your life. And when you change your life, you have no regrets. You guys, I look back over my life and there's a lot of things I've done that I'm sorry about. But I've repented from them and turned away from that. And and I can look back and honestly say... I can, I can look back on my past without regret. That's a great feeling. He goes on to say that the sorrow of this world produces de- death. So here's what I'm suggesting if you want to allow the Spirit of God to begin to flow freely through you again. If you want to allow the Word of God to become alive in your life again. Number one, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to make you aware of the sin in your life. Maybe you're already aware. Maybe you're thinking of a name right now. Oh man, I, this guy, I hate him. I can't stand him. This woman, I, this girl, I can't, I can't even be in the same room with her. You got to make that right. You got to figure out what's going on and you've got to figure out how you can turn around and love that person unconditionally, how to forgive that person from the heart. Revenge is a strange thing. Holding a grudge is a very strange thing. I'm so angry at you, I'm going to drink this poison. That's what living with a grudge is like. It's like drinking poison and killing yourself. All right. So, let's go on to the second message. Once you've dealt with sin in your life, something wonderful is going to happen. You're going to begin to feel this new desire for God's word like perhaps you haven't felt in a long time. Now, if you're Christians, I want you to listen to the question and nod or shake your head. Do you remember a time in your life where you couldn't get enough of God's word? Yes or no? Most of you are yes, yeah. Uh, Honestly, I'm not going to ask this next one, but I I think probably about 50 to 70% of us in this room, if I asked, is this your the truth of your life right now, we'd say, nah, not really. Yeah, I read God's word. Yeah, I go to Bible studies. I go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. I go to church. But am I, am I craving for God's word? No. And, and what I want you to understand 
is that's because there's a dam that's been built in your life. And the dam is sin or anger or bitterness or resentment. You bet maybe some of you are even angry at God. And that's what's keeping you from experiencing this flow. So Peter goes on in verse 2, and he says, Like newborn babes, crave, crave for the word of God, so that by it you will grow with respect to salvation. I think one of the most beautiful, intimate things in life is a mother nursing her child. And you know what's so cool about that? It, as, as, as the mother picks up the child, the child is, is reaching out to the mom. And his or her mouth is already starting to make the sucking motion. You can see the little mouth moving. What are they doing? Man, they're ready. Give me that milk, mama. I want it. And, and he is so hungry or she is so hungry that even as he gets close, he can't wait. He, he's ready for it. You guys, that is a fun feeling to have. And that's the feeling that God wants you to have towards his word. And what I want to share with you for the last couple of minutes of of this time is how do you crave for God's word in a way that it's going to change your life? In a way that, because when Peter says, crave for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow with respect to salvation. I want to reinterpret that a little bit. He's saying, crave for the milk of the word so that by the word you will grow in your experience of all that God has for you in salvation. Okay? Principle number one. Hide God's word in your life. Psalm 119.11, David says, Your word I have treasured in, your, in my heart that I may not sin against you. First principle, if you really want God to change your life, my encouragement to you is to memorize it. Don't memorize a verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only life. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, got it. You don't memorize a verse, you memorize a section. Uh, for example, uh, you might start out with something light, like... Uh, uh, Oh, Psalm, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. You know, we're going to see that one in just a minute about meditating on God's word. So you might memorize those three verses. Some of you are saying, I can't memorize. No excuses. It's not that hard. In fact, I even got an app on my phone that helps me memorize. It's a little flashcard app so that I can practice my verses. It's actually really incredibly easy to memorize. If you take Psalm 1, 1, And three times a day, you read it for a week, you'll have it memorized. That's how easy it is. You read a verse three times a day for a week. And each time you're reading it, you see how much of it you can say without looking. In one week, you'll have that so memorized, you're ready to move on to verse 2. Now, once you move on to verse 2, what you do, you never say verse 2 without saying verse 1 with it. Because you want to memorize all three as a unit. And I mean, within 10 days, you'll have those verses memorized. I say, oh, you don't know me. My brain's not working. I can't remember things. I'm old. You know, whatever you're... Here's what happens. Memorizing 
actually rewires your brain so that things work better. So if you're getting a little forgetful, if you, you know, of course, I can't blame old age because I was forgetful when I was a kid. When I met Connie, it was amazing. She, I was a college pastor and the kids in our youth group always went to her to ask about anything because they knew I'd already forgotten about it. And so I'd, hey, where are my keys? And she'd hold them out. She already knew what I was looking for. That's when I knew this is the woman I need for the rest of my life. So I never had a good memory. But as I've memorized God's word, it's actually been like structuring my mind so that I can remember things better now than I could before. So principle number one, when, when a passage comes up, and you'll know, because if you're memorizing God's word, every so often a passage will come up and it's almost like God will speak audibly to you. Hey, that one, I want you to memorize it. So, you know, I've, in my life, I've memorized Colossians 3, 1 through 17, uh, John 15, 1 through 11, uh, Romans 5, 1 through 11, Romans 8, the whole chapter, all 39 verses. I memorized that on the way to an Urbana conference. A, a girl was sitting next to me and she'd read the verses. I'd go back and forth. I had the whole chapter memorized in this 32-hour drive. It was great. But the more you memorize, the easier it becomes. Now, here's the next thing you do. Not only do you hide God's word in your life, but you meditate on his word. Now, Psalm 1, watch this. How blessed is the man who does not walk according to the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. In other words, you are going to be blessed if you decide not to pay attention to the counsel of this world. Does that make sense? So that means Fox News or MSN or whatever, that shouldn't be the source of your wisdom. All right? Instead, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. In other words, the thing that is driving your thinking is God's word. You know what? I'm not worried about the election this November. You know why? Because I don't have hope in anybody, honestly. I don't know. Are you guys excited about anything? Hey, boy. Yeah. You know, it. for the last, uh, oh, many years, I haven't seen any president doing something that was, wow, they're bringing justice to our country. I don't know, maybe, maybe they've done it, but I, I haven't. It, it seems like, uh, da, 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 you know, the economy does what it does regardless of what the president is doing. They just take credit for the good stuff and blame the previous president for the bad. You know, that's what they do. So, and I'm not cynical about it, but my hope is just somewhere else. My hope is in Jesus Christ to bring justice to this world. Okay? And the only way that can happen is if I spend more time in God's word than on the internet. Because if I spend all my time listening to the blather of this world, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get all caught up in the anxiety. I mean, do you you see our nation? People are freaking out. I mean, the people who are for Hillary think Trump's the devil. The people who are for Trump thinks Hillary's the devil. And everybody's going crazy. And I mean, they're just, they're going nuts. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of like being out of that. 
because I have better things on my mind because my delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law I'm meditating day and night. Now, what's going to happen in your life? You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. You will be fruitful. In other words, your life is going to mean something to other people around you. That's what fruitful means. You have an influence for the kingdom in other people's lives. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I've wanted all my life is to make a difference in other people's lives. Well, Psalm 1 promises that if I meditate in God's word, then uh, that's exactly what's going to happen. Your leaf won't wither, so you're not going to be walking around with withered leaves. You know, it's kind of cool. In other words, you're going to have endurance to your life, and in whatever you do, you will prosper. So we've talked about putting God's word in your life, meditating on it. By the way, you know about meditation, right? Meditation is a cool Hebrew concept. It's, it's the concept of a cow chewing its cud. You ever seen cows? They're, they're just, they look like they have a big wad of, of, you know, the major league chew in their mouth. They're always chewing. And what they're doing is they're chewing grass. Anybody know how many stomachs a cow has? It's four, right? Some people, I've heard seven, but some, they have, and what do they do? They chew the grass and then they swallow it. And then in a completely gross thing, they erp it up, you know, it comes back up into their mouth, and they chew it again. And they swallow it into stomach too, and up it comes again. They chew it some more. And so, you know, I can't imagine what it tastes like by the time it goes to the fourth stomach, but whatever, they seem to like it. Yeah, and, and then that's our milk. So whenever you think of, whenever you drink milk, just think of a cow erping up its food and chewing it some more, and that's where your milk came from. It's awesome. All right. So now that I've destroyed the milk industry for all of you. Now hang on, because I want you to, why is that cow chewing that grass so much? It's drawing every bit of nourishment from that grass. So that this amazing food, milk, comes out when it's done eating that grass. Now, here's what happens. You're you're memorizing God's word. And lunchtime comes around and you don't have your Bible with you, but you're memorizing it. So it comes back into your mind. So you bring it back up and you start thinking about it again. And you always, that's why I love having a journal. I I love having it with me all the time. And so I write down, hey, God just said this to me. And then in the evening, up it comes again. And you start thinking about it. And memorizing God's word is kind of like walking around the scripture from all the different aspects of your life. And I'll tell you something that gets really exciting. God teaches you different things at noon than he does in the morning. And he teaches you different things in the evening than he does at noon. So that's why I love morning, noon, and night when I'm meditating on God's word. If you do that and you journal what God is doing in your life, what you're going to see is some amazing things happen. Third thing, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Here's what Paul says. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness into your hearts to God. Letting the word of Christ dwell richly within you. You're memorizing it. You're meditating on it. And that's the filter that's letting it go from your heart down to your, from your head down to your heart. And now it's right at home where you live. 
This is where the Word of God does its magic. This is where it actually changes you. It changes your attitude. It changes your values. It changes the way you talk. And as you begin to see God's Word transforming you, that's when the excitement of the Christian life really comes in. The final thing is to be a doer of the Word. I want to read to you James chapter 1, 21 through 25. It's very similar to 1 Peter. He says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. So, again, James is saying the same thing. Before you come to God's word, you've got to deal with stuff in your life. Do you see that principle? It's really important. Because if you don't, the word of God is just going to be a dry, dusty old book to you. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But, James says, prove yourselves to be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. A little principle, you guys. If you're coming to church, Rob preaches an awesome message. You shake his hand. Oh, great message, Rob. And you might even mean it. it. might be cool. And then you go home and you don't do anything with that word that you've just heard. James says, you're deluding yourself. You're living in self-delusion. Why does he say that? For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself, he has gone away, and he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, you go, ah, you know, your hair is all over the place. You know, you look like a mess. You've got drool coming out of your mouth. You know, that stuff in your eye that looks terrible. You know, you just look horrible. Now, The purpose of a mirror isn't to scare you in the morning. The purpose of a mirror is to tell you what needs to be fixed, right? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I've got to fix it. But people who are hearers of the word are not doers. People who are not intentionally thinking through, how can I be obedient to God's word? They're living in self-delusion. They're like they look in a mirror. They see something that needs to be fixed, and they just walk away and get on with life. And they wonder why their life has no joy and power. Now, look at this. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it. So the first thing you do, Rob preaches a great message. You go home. You don't turn on the football game right away. We've all got DVRs now. Give it a half hour. You don't get on with life and do other stuff. You, t- you take a minute and say, wow. Rob preached on Acts 17, and, and he made some great points. I need to read this for myself. And now you read it for yourself. And you begin to say, God, what do you want me to do because of this word that I've just heard? If you're that kind of person, not having a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, James says, this man will be blessed in what he does. Psalm 1 says that the man who meditates on God's law day and night, he will prosper in whatever he does. James 1 says the man who's a doer of the word, not a hearer, will be blessed in whatever he does. How would you like to be walking through life having God blessing everything you do? 
I mean, is that kind of cool? Amen. Some of you are kind of going, oh, when's this going to be over, you know? <laughs> you know, this is, to me, this is actually cool. That tomorrow, God actually wants to bless everything and anything you do. But you've got to do it His way. You've got to become a person who's meditating on His Word. You've got to be a person who's doing His Word. So there are two really simple messages tonight. If you want to have that longing for God's Word that you once had before, and therefore having all of the blessing of being a person of God's Word, which is amazing to me, you've got to make sure that you're authentically dealing with sin in your life. And you know what's interesting to me? The sins that God is really concerned about are sins of relationship. Did you notice that? Malice, envy, slander, all of those stuff have to do with our relationships with each other. And so before we go tonight, there's just one thing I want to ask you to do. If there's one person in your life where things are broken... I want you to realize that this may be doing more damage to your heart than you could ever realize. And my greatest prayer for you is that you deal with that, even this week, before this week is over. If you need to ask forgiveness, humble yourself and ask forgiveness. If you need to grant forgiveness, even if they haven't asked, forgive them. Now, don't go say, oh, I forgive you for that terrible thing you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, hey, I didn't do anything. You know, the, you know so there's, there's sometimes when you just have to forgive them and keep your mouth shut. And then just start loving them and showing kindness to them. Okay? So it's not about winning the little relationship battle that you've been fighting. This is about getting things right. And you guys, I want you to know that if, if, you're, if you're feeling a little dull spiritually, I honestly believe there's a huge chance that this is the problem, that there's a relationship in your life that's messed up. And God is saying, I want you to get it fixed. The second message is, if you want a life that is filled with God's blessing, and God's power, it's going to come through His Word. I know that's kind of an old-fashioned message. Oh, study the Bible, study the Bible. But it's, it's really not so much study the Bible as let the Bible come into your head and then into your heart and then into the core of who you are. And it's amazing what, what this will do in your life.